Welcome to the Old Time Radio Westerns. I'm your host, Andrew Rines, and today's episode is brought to you by Amazon.com. If you plan on doing any online shopping, first go to otrwesterns.com slash Amazon to start your shopping experience today. Well, today's episode is going to be Horizons West. That's right, that continuing saga of Lewis and Clark. This episode originally aired January 23rd, 1966, and the title is Clark and the Horse Thieves. As a reminder, this is episode 11, two more episodes, and we are done with this series. Hope you enjoy, and again, thanks for listening. American West. Once it could have been the British, Spanish, or even the Russian West. It became American primarily because of the explorations of two young army officers, Meriwether Lewis and William Clark. Their pioneering journey stands as one of the great achievements in the history of the United States. the troops, Sergeant Ordway. Yes, sir. Troops! Halt! Troops! Halt! Now, this is a rest stop. Take half an hour. Ordway, get my map case. Bring Pryor back with you. Yes, sir. Captain, this rapid pace is not good on the feet of one shot horse. And hard on the riders, Charbonneau, but there's no help for it. We're short on time. Uh, but soon we enter the Lemhai country. We will have to slow down or kill off the horse. I wonder if we can't avoid the Lemhai Pass this time. Take a tip from the buffalo. The trails seem to run to the southeast. Ah, that is good, sir. <laughs> Only yesterday, Sacagawea was saying we should follow the buffalo. Janie said that? How does she know? Ah, the young maiden... She came here often with her people to dig root. She knows this country. Mm -hmm. Where is she? <laughs> with the baby. The rapid riders have set him in the stomach. Eh? <laughs> Sacagawea makes him a more comfortable litter. Suppose you do that. Send her to me. Yes, sir. The chart, sir. Prior reporting, sir. Yes, yes. Oh. Both of you, take a look at this map. We're right about here, two days south from Traveler's Rest. Almost to where East Fork Creek cuts into the Bitterroot River. Yeah, we camped here last fall. We were saying then that the worst was over, only it wasn't. Uh, Captain Clark, if we're going to make it through the Lamhai country, we better rest the horses longer than half an hour. You wish to see me, Captain? Well, how's little Pompey? Uh, you need something to settle his stomach? He's sleeping. He will be all right. Charbonneau says you know this country. Well, here are found the roots that taste like your carrot. Now, look at this map, Janie. If we keep on south, we'll have to travel two sides of a triangle. Triangle? Uh, what is a triangle, sir? Uh, the figure with three sides. Uh, look, uh, south from here to where we came out of the pass last year, that's one side. One side. Now, we turn due east through the pass to the cache at the headwaters of the Jefferson. 
That's the second side. Oh, now I understand. It is shorter if you go this way, the third side. What kind of a trail is it, Janie? Is it uh, difficult? Oh, it is very pretty. The buffalo always choose easy trails. Good, good. Uh, shallow water just ahead of my memory serves. We'll ford the river and take the next buffalo trail bearing to the southeast. There is much peril, Captain. The southeast goes into crow country. The crow people like to steal. They like to kill. Horizons West, the continued story of the Lewis and Clark expedition. Now with Harry Bartell as Meriwether Lewis and John Anderson as William Clark, listen to Chapter 11, Clark and the Horse Thieves. July 5, 1806, William Clark, with two-thirds of the Lewis and Clark Corps of Discovery, moved toward the headwaters of the Jefferson River in what is now southwestern Montana. His partner, Meriwether Lewis, led the rest of the Corps into northern Montana to explore Mariah's River. Clark would follow the Jefferson to Three Forks, where Sergeant Ordway would take nine men down the Missouri to the Great Falls, where he would make a portage, then meet Lewis at the Union of the Missouri and the Marias. The combined party would move on to where the Missouri met the Yellowstone, on the border between present-day Montana and North Dakota. Clark, meanwhile, would go east to the Yellowstone and follow its curving course to that common point of rendezvous, the Yellowstone and Missouri. Essentially, Lewis was making a semicircle to the northeast, Clark to the southeast, and Sergeant Ordway in between. All three, in acquiring vital geographical information, were risking their lives by traveling in groups so small that they invited attack by hostile Indians. We rode with danger, we also rode with beauty. The country that required constant alertness also displayed gently rolling hills covered with the bright bloom of wildflowers and small plains areas that looked like parklands. Every forested glade we passed could have been a hiding place for savages, planning our extermination. Captain, I was figuring we're about half a day from the cache. You want me to take out a hunting party and get us some meat and set up camp there? <laughs> What's your hurry, Ordway? Oh, no hurry, sir. Could it be you remember that cash has tobacco in it? <laughs> <laughs> I admit it, sir. I'm dying for a chore. Except for a whiff or two on a peace pipe, not a man jack of us had tobacco for six months. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Take Shannon Willard and York with you. Keep a sharp eye out for hostiles. Yes, sir. We pushed on, moving at a slow pace to save the horses. Something would have to be done about resting them and then protecting their hoofs against the prickly pear they would soon encounter. I had seen Indian ponies wearing overshoes made of buffalo hide. Perhaps if Ordway and the hunters were lucky enough to bring in buffalo, we could make shoes for our suffering animals. Along toward the end of the day, we reached our destination in the cache. Two buffalo were cooking over the fires, and our canoes of last year had been recovered. Over here, Captain Clark. Over here, sir. Hold! Hold! Right, let's get those horses unloaded. Canoes are in fair shape, sir. A little work and they'll be ready. All right. Winder, Charbonneau, take the first watch. Ordway, get a shovel. We'll take a look at that cache. Yes, sir. Follow me, Captain. Slowly, Sergeant, slowly. 
excuse me for being in a hurry, sir. But all day I've been thinking how good it'll be to have my face filled with some good old Virginia. Well, don't hope too much. Perhaps water got in and spoiled it all. Well, don't say that, sir. <laughs> well, here we are, sir. You really think it'll be spoiled? This is high ground, sir. Well, save your breath and dig. I didn't tell him that I was as interested as he was in the tobacco. I let him dig, watching how carefully he exposed the contents of the hole, protected by a layer of pine boughs and a heavy tarpaulin. I had Private Gibson get in the hole and pass out the stored articles. Out came notes and specimens carefully wrapped. Lead canisters of powder, spare tools. All looks to be in fair shape, sir. Say, what's this? Tobacco? <laughs> <laughs> well, now, Sergeant, I imagine it is. Except for men on watch, all tobacco users, front and center. Hey, you're get your big foot off the line. Hey, your feet out of the way, boy. Stop trying to make footprints for me. Be make prints for you. Only an elephant can do that. All right, all right, line up. Stop shoving, Shannon. Who's shoving, Sergeant? Quiet, listen. Now listen. All right, quiet. This is the way it'll be with the tobacco. Two feet to each man, including Captain Lewis's detail when we meet him. After, we put aside one-third for trading goods. Want me to start cutting it, sir? A prior's studier with a knife. Uh, you hand it out. Yes, sir. Some of the men bit off chores the moment they received their tobacco. Others waited until after the evening meal, as I did. I filled my pipe, took a long pull, and was so dizzy I could hardly sit up. What's the matter, Captain? Dizzy? I'm not used to smoking anymore. Everybody in camp's dizzy with it. Maybe I'll put mine aside for now. Gotta have somebody in camp with his wits about him. Yes, I thought of that, sir. No tobacco to the guards. I sat back and watched the fire. I felt nervous, despite the fact that the horses seemed all right, the guards were alert, capable. Then I realized that in the morning, I faced the necessity of dividing my command, even before Ordway took his party down to Missouri. Meriwether Lewis had helped plan that, just as he had everything else we'd done in over two years. Until now, we had shared all responsibilities. Now, I would have to bear it alone. Sergeant Pryor. Uh, yes, sir. As soon as Ordway and Cruzat get through with minor repairs in the morning, I'll be taking the canoes downriver. Besides yourself, who are the best horse handlers in camp? Oh, Shannon for one, and uh, Windsor's good. All right, take them and Hall and uh, Willard. Drive the horses to three forks where the Jefferson, Madison, and Gallatin Rivers come together to form the Missouri. Understand? Yes, sir. Three forks. I'll meet you there with the boats in three to four days. didn't seem the same river we had traveled before by oar, pole, tow rope. Now we glided effortlessly and rapidly with the current. In the space of a single day, we swept by six previous campsites. And three days after we had taken to the boats, we neared the three forts. Smoke up ahead, Captain. So I see. We'll approach with caution. It is white man's fire, Captain. Yeah, there's too much size for the Indian fire. Huh? Put the telescope on it, sir. Fire in the men. Ah, they're cooking supper. Oh, we're right on time. I can see some of the horses. Lay in the shore, Ordway. Yes, sir. 
He beached the boats and got out to face a grinning prior in his detail. Six deer were cooking over as many fires. Well, what took you? We stopped to hunt and got up a meal for everybody, and still we've been here nigh on to two hours. Well, we, <laughs> we had to go back to Fort Clotsop to pick up some blue beads you left. <laughs> Nate, we figured engines would have got you by now. What engines? The ones you ain't seen. That's the way I like them. <laughs> mm, the meat look mighty good. Well, it should be ready to eat. Hey, yo, what do you say we help this up? No? Sure thing, Charbonneau. Any sign at all of Indians prior? Uh, nothing. Well, then I think I'm hungry. Let's eat. No, I'm with you there. The eating was mighty good. And to borrow a favorite phrase of Meriwether's, we fared sumptuously. Then temporarily, we defeated swarms of mosquitoes by throwing enough green wood on the fires to make them smoke. The men relaxed with their tobacco, and for the first time in many months, I heard York sing. Relaxing sound, that singing. They sang a lot back home. Women used to sit around and listen. I sure envy them that. Me, I had to chase after them. <laughs> Captain, here we are at the Missouri. When do I leave? In the morning? That's right. With nine men and the baggage. You should manage fine. Gas will meet you at the Great Falls with the trucks for the portage. Then you go down the Missouri to meet Captain Lewis at the Mariah's River. Can I have Cruzat and Coulter? Yes. Anybody else? Oh, you name the others, sir. Well, Weiser, Collins, Willard, uh, Howard, LePage, Potts, and Whitehouse. All of them are good in the boat. Now, remember, you'll be in danger mostly on land. In camp or hunting, keep alert. Anything you want me to say to Captain Lewis? No, I'll write him tonight. After breakfast the next day, Ordway left. A little nervous, but with an outward show of confidence. He was on his own, and I hoped he would be all right. Pryor got the rest of us ready for the overland trek. All horses were now provided with tough buffalo hide overshoes. Forty-nine horses, one colt, sir. All baggage loaded, and we're ready to move. Fine, fine. Uh, where's Janie? Well, I passed the word. She's coming. Huh? there she is now. Sir? You know the river called Yellowstone, Janie? It is from the south and turns east at Fine River. Southeast. Is that the direction for us? To the mountains. Take path. Yellowstone River is on other side. How much time to go down the Yellowstone to the Missouri? One moon? Oh, maybe half a moon. First part, we maybe have trouble with cold tides. Well, we'd better get started, Pryor. Yes, sir. We rode through country that continued to be a scenic delight. Plenty of game near at hand. We climbed by easy stages into the mountains, and Sacagawea located a pleasant path which led us into the valley of the Yellowstone. Captain, this is really easy traveling. I hope Ordway is having as easy a time of it. And Captain Lewis up in Blackfoot country. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, speaking of engines, so far not a hide nor heroin. Hey, Charbonneau, where are all them engines Sacagawea said we'd run into? Do you not feel them, Sergeant? Especially at night? Huh? They're all around us. I'm biding their time, I suppose. Wait until they catch a sentry asleep. Uh, we've been lucky. Perhaps they're afraid of our weapons. You uh, really believe they're all around, Charbonneau? 
Does Jenny think so? She hopes that uh, seeing a woman and a child among us will make them realize we are a part of the sea. Hey, Captain, when we come to the river, do we stay on uh, shore and follow it, or do we make dugouts? Both. Staying in sight of each other. Half of the boats, half of the horses should be some insurance against attack. Captain, I have found one of the routes like a carrot. I have pulled it for you. Yeah, it sure looks like a carrot. Uh, tonight I'll try to draw a picture of it for Captain Lewis. Captain, look. Back in the path. Smoke. It is a close signal smoke. You sure? But there is also answering smoke far ahead of us. Well, I'll be dang. Over on the horizon. Uh-huh. You see, Sergeant? Have been following us for days. That night, when we made our camp, I doubled the number of men on watch. I sat up much later than usual, straining eyes and ears for the sight or sound of hostiles. But nothing happened. I finally fell asleep, to be awakened by a grim Sergeant Pryor. Captain? Boiler, Pryor. There's three horses missing, sir. But, Missy, you're sure they didn't stray? Yes, sir. I found an Indian moccasin print. And the three were our best horses. But didn't the sentries hear anything during the night? Not a thing. There was room for doubt about this first adroitly managed theft. It vanished in the development for the next two nights. Each night, despite the most elaborate of precautions, two more horses disappeared. Again, the best animals. Attention began to communicate itself to the men. The idea of standing watch with all faculties alert and still unable to detect the thieves in action, very hard on morale, made a man doubt himself. I don't see how they got away with it. Right under my nose. Many Indians steal horses, but with the crow, it is an art. Don't they get some kind of medal for it? It is called counting a coup. Stealing an enemy horse is second only to killing enemy warriors in battle. Captain, river ahead. The sight of water somehow was very welcome. Now we were not entirely dependent upon the horses for transportation. We would use dugouts. And, of course, defend our horses to the utmost of our abilities because they represented money. When we reached the Mandan villages, we could use them to acquire many needed articles and services. Uh, Captain, timber here is too small for canoes. Well, keep moving. Send Bratman Shields ahead to find us some good trees. Yes, sir. We found the timber, but it was barely thick enough. And the width and depth of our craft would be no more than two feet. We set up camp while trees were felled and the boats made from them. That night, we tried placing our horses between campground and the river. Well, looks like them crows will have a tough time stealing anything tonight. Make sure the guard is doubled. Yes, sir. Old York's at the singing again. Must figure we're safe. Well, maybe he's singing to keep up his courage. How long can you make those canoes? Oh, 28 feet. Two by 28. Why don't we uh, put them in tandem? Two side by side. That's good. Give us stability. York, shut up that noise. You say shut up, boy? If you got a gargle, do it down by the river. You got no call to talk to me that way. Just shut up or I'll stomp you. Stomp me? A rut like you? George, Shannon, come over here. Yes, sir. 
sir. I'll make allowances, York. Shannon's nervous. I sure am. This valley's crawling with hostiles. Instead of fighting each other, why not try to get along? Keep alert. Listen for the enemy. I'm sorry, York. Me too. Got no business singing with hostiles out there. I'll listen. Gotta catch them horses. The night seemed peaceful. The horses seemed calm. The watch was changed regularly without incident. Each man seemed alert. Then along toward dawn, there was an uproar of noise from the horses. I sent men to reinforce the watch, held others back to the defense of the camp, and built up the fires for light. Presently, order was restored among the horses. In the first of the daylight, Pryor trudged in. Captain, them Indians stole 24 horses. But how? I don't know exactly. Shannon and Charbonneau are still chasing after them. I found this moccasin and a piece of Indian rope. We lost 24. That leaves only 18. That's right, sir. That looks like Charbonneau and Shannon coming this way now. It was crows, Captain. Uh, big path, he said. Shannon and me, we were the sentinels. How they surprise us? I don't know. One moment, all quiet. Next, everything come at once. Uh, I think I wounded one of the thieves. When the fuss started, they got the horses over that little rise to the east and ran them down the draw three, four miles away. Uh, and there, the trail disappeared. It's rocky. Ground. Oh, this settles it. We have to get these horses away before we lose them all. Yes, sir. Friar... You and Shannon and Windsor are going to take them out of this country. Sir? Well, you three men know horses better than the rest of us. Drive them directly overland to the Mandan villages on the Missouri. Stay there with Chief Black Cat until we pick you up. Catch that, Shannon? Quite a job, but we'll make it. We've got to make it. Go tell Windsor. We'll move out in an hour. Toward mid-morning, Sergeant Pryor, Windsor, and Shannon rode out. The rest of the men stood and watched, most of them sure they would never see Pryor or Shannon or Windsor alive again. It was asking a lot of those three, sending them out into a country filled with Indians you couldn't see, Indians who wanted your horses. But there was no other way. Somebody had to do it. I tried to forget I was the one who issued that order. I moved about watching the men build the boats. Six of them, you're coming right along. Captain, you feel them three boys will be all right all alone with them horses? I hope so. Maybe if they keep on the move and sleep in turn. Well, looks like we can put the tendon in the water tomorrow. The Charbonneau, how's the larder? Enough meat for another day, sir. We pushed off early in the day. The current was strong, and our boats were swept along at a fast pace. We used paddles and tillers only for direction. By the end of that first day, we had logged 80 miles. The following day, gliding along at the same brisk pace, I spied an unusual rock formation looming downriver. It was like a tower above the plain. And the top of it, Sacagawea saw it too. Look, Capitan. You've seen it before, Janie? No, but often my people spoke of it. On it are carved symbols. By the men of many tribes. I think I'll have to take a closer look. Lay in the shore. Yes, sir. 
The sides of the rock were covered with Indian signs and pictographs. I climbed up high enough to chisel my name and the date into the stone above the others, where it would not easily be obliterated. Then I went on up to the top. I stood erect, aware of a light breeze, and looked about. It was an impressive view, mile upon mile of hills and grassland and winding river. I stayed up there for some time until cries from below caught my attention. The men had beached the canoes and had prepared a midday meal. I descended carefully, made my way back to them. Captain, don't go up there no more. You could fall and kill yourself. It was peaceful up top. Say, look at little Pop eating meat like a grown man. Soon he will no longer be a baby. Soon he will be a big boy. That's what we'll call it. From now on, that big pile of rock is Pompey's Tower. Someday, Baptiste, or Pompey, as you call him, will come back here. He will climb as you did. <laughs> and when he's old enough to understand the honor, we will tell him of this monument named after him. Huh? August 3rd, 1806, we reached the Missouri. The men yelled and cheered as they put into shore. Here we would make camp and wait for Meriwether Lewis and Ordway to appear. But soon we found that waiting at this particular spot was going to be all but impossible. Got him. Captain, the mosquitoes are trying to eat us all alive. That one was as big as a horse. I'll better build up a fire. Yes, sir. But it'll take more than a fire to stop these flying wolves. Oh, Captain, the mosquitoes. I've never seen them so bad. Now, don't start that fire, York. We're getting out of here. I left a note for Meriwether fastened to a stick, which I jammed into the riverbank, and we went downriver for a couple of days. We hauled up on a beach where there were no insect pests. We built fires at a noontime feast of buffalo meat. I was looking about for a place to take a nap when Sacagawea clutched my arm and pointed up river. Captain, look, bull boat. Hey, I've never seen a modern bull boat on the open river. Take another look. That ain't no man down in that bull boat. That's Sarge Fryer. Fryer was the sole occupant of the leading bull boat, and Windsor and Shannon were in the other. Considering that bull boats were circular basins of buffalo hide stretched over a stick frame and not intended for open river navigation, they handled the bobbing, swinging craft with rare skill, putting it at the camp amid the yells of the men. I hurried to the water's edge and was relieved when all three men, apparently none the worse for wear, stepped out of the bull boats. Ah, Pryor, what happened? Well, sir, second day out, Indians took every last horse we had. We tried to follow them, but it was no good. They ran away from us. We headed to the Yellowstone fast as we could hoof it to try to get there before you passed in the boat. And we never made it. We knew when we saw your name in that tower of rock. Only thing we could do was shoot buffalo and make bull boats. No tools to make dugouts. Well, bull boats ain't so bad once you get used to them. Only thing is, you can't make them go very well against the current. Well, you didn't try, did you? Well, yes, sir, we did. You see, when we got to the mouth of the Yellowstone, I uh, found your note at that place where the mosquitoes are. 
I read it, uh, threw it aside, and started downriver. You did what? Well, I, I thought the note was for me at first, and I figured that I was supposed to be at the Mandan Villages, and uh, you wouldn't be leaving a note for me. It, it had to be for Captain Lewis. We wanted to go back and fix things, but like Sergeant says, we can't make bull boats go upstream in a strong current. We may be in trouble, Sergeant. Big trouble. Loss of the horses reduced us in one stroke, from men in a strong position for trading, to a group of impecunious wanderers. But even that wasn't bad, given any luck in hunting. What was bad was that Meriwether Lewis would be coming downriver with no clear idea of our whereabouts. It would be very easy to miss each other on the white Missouri. been listening to Horizons West, the continued story of the Lewis and Clark expedition, starring Harry Bartell as Meriwether Lewis and John Anderson as William Clark. Chapter 11, Clark and the Horse Thieves, featured Sebastian Cabot, Helen Gerald, Cliff Holland, Frank Gerstle, Eddie Firestone, and Don Spruance. Our story was written by Carley and William Tunberg and directed by William Lally. Sound patterns by Gene Twombly. Michael Rye speaking. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. I hope you enjoyed this episode of otrwesterns.com. Send me an email, podcast at otrwesterns.com. Call, leave me a voicemail, 707-986-8739. Check us out on Twitter, at otrwesterns, 
And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. otrwesterns.com slash iTunes. This podcast is a proud member of the OT Netcast Network. For more information and a list of all of our shows, go to otnetcast.com. Again, that's otnetcast.com. This episode is copyright 2011 under the attribution non-commercial share like copyright. For more information, go to otrwesterns.com slash copyright. Thanks for listening and have a great day.